time to introduce my second guest of the morning, uh, chatting to the author and journalist Steph McNicholas uh, about her new book called When Ponty Rock. First of all, uh, good morning to you, Steph. Oh, good morning, Gareth. Thanks for having me on the show this morning. That's fine, that's fine. It's always our pleasure. It's great to have a great variety of people on the show. Uh, it's normally politicians and councillors, but it's uh, nice to get a, an author on the show uh, as well. Uh, so how are you doing anyway, uh, before we get uh, yeah. into the book? Really good, thank you, Gareth. Yeah, I um, actually took the book to some local shops for the first time this weekend, and I can't believe the response so far. It's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, so well done anyway on the Thank new you. book, first of all, When Ponty Rocked. Uh, now, the book, uh, it needs a lot of research, doesn't it? You just can't sit down off the top of your head. You, you know, you need to do the research and, and get the facts right. Uh, yeah. So you need to check and in, in some cases, I guess, double check. Yeah. When did you actually start writing this book? Well, I started about two years ago. Um I discovered the Who had played the Mooney in 1966, and well, I was a baby at the time. That's why I couldn't make oh, it. Oh yeah, okay. But um, I thought, wow, <laughs> I never knew this had happened. So who else had played the Mooney? So my original idea was to write a book about the Mooney, and then it kind of snowballed from there as I started talking to musicians, you know, and, and music fans. So yeah, two years ago, I um, started researching at Ponty Library with the help of of the team there. And um, there was fantastic stuff in the Pontypridd Observer from the early 60s because they had the very first pop column um, called Teen Beat. Right. And, and it, you know, there was so much to take from from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, because not only did The Who play the Mooney, uh, Cream did as yeah, well. Yeah, and I've got a lovely story about that in the book, which I won't give away. But, no, don't, um, don't, no. Yeah, there's a really nice story about... Uh, a, a lovely friend of mine who uh, who went to see Cream at the Mooney, and I won't tell you what happened, but it's a great one. <laughs> right, well, that's good to know. Uh, so, I've mentioned that a few times over the years, you know, and yeah. they say, what, what, what Cream? You know, not yeah. not Eric, you know, Clapton's Cream, or, yeah, yeah. you know, Jack Bruce, Ginger Baker. No, they wouldn't have played the Mooney. They well, did. they jolly well yeah. did. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you decide to write a book, you sit down at your computer or laptop. How do you decide then what era, first of all, to cover? Because well, yeah. getting the years right in the history of Pontypris music scene, I guess, is quite important as well. To which area, which era do you cover? That's right. Well, first of all, I thought I'd do a complete sort of um, history, you know, as much as I could from the 50s up until now. But I started writing the stories and I had so many stories. I thought this is going to be too much for one book. So when Ponty rocked, has stories from mainly the 50s up until the 70s and I am actually writing a sequel with the stories from the 80s onwards. Oh, well, that's but, good. Yeah, yeah, but this this book really focuses mainly on the 60s because that's when rock and roll exploded in Ponty and the first beat groups formed like the Senators, um, you know, the Strollers, the Sapphires and it all snowballed from there. I mean, do you, do you think it was the golden decade for, for, in many ways? I think so, because people were just learning to play and they were, they were probably playing mostly covers, but people would be starting to write their own songs. So it was a real, you know, a real time for things to start happening for everybody. It was a really exciting time to be a young person in Ponty in the 60s. You know, there were great clubs and, you know, great venues to see bands and the dance halls. So, yeah, yeah. 
And between 19, well, I'm guessing 1955, 56, up until 1964, a certain Tom Jones. Yeah, there's a certain Tom Jones mentioned in the book. Although I have to say, there have been so many books written about Tom Jones. And I thought, well, I really want to tell the stories of people whose stories have never been told. Um, so there is a little section about Tom with memories from fans and friends um, and some nice photos. And I, I think you're in there as well, Gareth. Yeah, well, apparently so, yeah. Cause, yeah uh, well, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you, you told me a story about a night on the tiles with um, Tom Jones. Yeah, that's going back crowd, a few so, years. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, that's uh, in the book. Yeah, Di Perry, you know, yeah. sadly missed, of course, these days, but we're Tom's best mate, uh, and it all sort of stemmed from there. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I suppose any book about music or the music scene in Pontypris must feature Tom Jones. I mean, did you catch up with anybody from his original band, The Senators? Yeah, I did speak to Vernon Hopkins. All was, right, OK. Yeah, it was Vernon who actually formed The Senators. He was the bass player, and Vernon uh, grew up in Glintav. And... Um, Tommy Pittman was actually the first singer um, before Tommy Woodward, you know, then Tommy Scott, then Tom Jones joined. <laughs> um, and I, I was lucky enough to um, to have some photos of Tommy Pittman on stage with the original senators, and they're in the book. And I've had uh, a chat with his son, um, Steve, and there's a really nice story about um, his dad, you know, who was the first real singer in the first rock and roll band in Ponty, you know. Yeah. I'm guessing tracking some of the musicians uh, with great stories to tell proved yeah. challenging on times because, let's be honest, some of these musicians are sadly no longer with us, are they? Many, many people in the book sadly are no longer with us, um, but their friends have told their stories. And um, I was lucky, lucky to speak to Jeff John, who was in The Strollers. Now, we've spoken, oh my gosh, probably for six months on the trot <laughs> to work on his story. And his, he had so many memories. And he was connected with Tom Jones and all the early bands. Um, but we had, to, uh, we had to correspond via letters and, and phone calls because Jeff didn't use email. So that was really time-consuming, but it was really worth doing because his stories are magical. Um, his family had one of the first radio shops in Ponty, um, Moore's Radio. All right. Uh, it was originally in True Forest, and they made crystal sets. And then they moved down to the Tumble, and then they started selling musical instruments. And, you know, the, the young musicians would pop in there and have a cuppa and a chat. And, you know, Jeff's stories are just brilliant. Now, some the memories of some people, I'm guessing, and I'm only guessing this, yeah. did you find that if you interviewed, say, three people about a certain event that took place yeah. that that those memories would sometimes contradict one another so you'd ask somebody a question he'd give you an answer or she would give you an answer and then you would ask another person about the same event mm. the same gig and they would come back with a different answer yeah, well, did, did that yeah. happen often well people remember things differently don't they you know I, I, i've been in bands myself and if you ask me to recall a gig i did 30 years ago I probably couldn't give you the details or the date or, you know, it's gone. But it's, so it's amazing how many things people remembered. But people, obviously, they've got different, different versions of how things went on a certain night. So I try to tell people's true stories in their own words, you know, so everyone's got their own say. That there was sort of things, dates, some dates didn't match up in stories. But, of course, people will never remember things exactly right. So, you know, we kind of um, 
you skirted around that a little then, you know. Right, OK. Yeah. Uh, but but in the end, then, you were obviously satisfied that, you, that you've got the, the real story at the Absolutely, end of it. Absolutely, yeah, because it's yeah. in people's own words, you know, and, yeah. and that's what I wanted, yeah. Now, Ponty's produced some great bands over the years, obviously solo artists like, like Sir Tom Jones, obviously, is top of the pile in terms of global success. But even today, yeah. you can think of bands like Climbing Trees, and the success that they've had and, the, and are still enjoying, of course. Uh, Ponty and the surrounding areas, the valleys, if you like, a great conveyor belt for new talent over the years. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was the cool Cymru thing, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's got to be cool, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. and uh, of course, there's, there's been talent from from the 50s, 60s onwards. There's been bands forming and it's all, it's all gone from there. So, yeah, yeah. But Ponty, for a small town, Gareth, Ponty has produced so much talent and I don't think there's another town in the South Wales Valleys who produced bands on this scale and the genres as well you know you've, you've got your rock and roll you've got your punk um you know uh, you know it'd be interesting to see if there is another town that compares to Ponty because I don't think anything does well <laughs> well well when you think about it it had a good start with uh, James and Evan James who wrote the Welsh National yes, Anthem yes. so that's a good start isn't it couldn't get better, really, could you? No, absolutely not, <laughs> not really. So how many people then did you interview for the book uh, altogether? Oh, golly, dozens and dozens, um, and they were, all of their stories are in there. Um, and I, Oh, I'd love to thank everyone as well, because without them, there wouldn't be a book. Without their kindness and their photographs and their stories, there wouldn't be a book, so... Can I just thank everyone? That's amazing. And I guess you spent hours online. I mean, you mentioned the library. Of course, uh, yeah. uh, the, the, the challenge of uh, the, the pandemic, did that prove uh, difficult on times? Well, With the research going yeah. to the library, I mean. Yeah, I couldn't go to the library, but I was really lucky that I started my research two years ago at the library. So I felt like I had enough to start with, you know, at the time. I had cut-ins from the Observer and stories. So... It, it wasn't too much of a problem because I was getting pe people's personal stories. It was important to speak to people over the phone. So really, you know, last year, it didn't cause me too many problems, you know, getting getting everything together. Obviously, I couldn't meet with people, which was quite sad because it would, it would have been lovely to actually talk to people, you know, in person. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so how do you decide then on the length of a book? Uh, because I, I did a bit of research yeah. uh, before coming into this interview and you know a book uh, an average book 90 to 100,000 words in a book yeah. 55,000 words on average in a teenager's book so how did it how did that actually work for you do you know I can't remember the word count off the top of my head but there's a hun about 162 pages in the book and loads of colored pictures and I felt that was enough I felt the stories had been told and you know, it wasn't about the quantity, really. It was the quality of the stories. Some things didn't make it in. Um, there were a few naughty stories I couldn't keep in. Oh, for... <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, what, rock, rock music, rock and music roll and stories. rock and roll and... Oh, dear, dear, dear. I know, I know. I mean, it is quite rock and roll. There's a couple of swear words. I'll just give you the warning now. But, you know, people used to fight a lot in the dance halls. Never. The, yeah, they Fighting did. in the valleys on, yeah, a, on yeah. a Saturday night? Never. Well, there wasn't much else to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I um some of those stories I thought oh I can't keep putting fights in in the book you know there are a couple of fights in here but they have to the others have to come out. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you when people read the book I mean and yeah. and I guess you've read the book as well of course even Many though you wrote times. it I mean did did you leave something out which when you think back now you think mm, maybe I should have put that 
story in and left that one out? No, I didn't. I was oh, well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was really happy with the balance at the end, you know, but, but it took a long time to refine because I wrote the story over two years and then I spent about two months going back through it and, you know, editing and proofreading. So. And, yeah. and did, you, did you give the book to somebody before it went to print to say, can you read this? Yeah, I actually, I've got to thank my mother who's listening because my mother helped me. Well, what's her name? It. Let's give her a shout. What's her I'm name? Lynn. Lynn McNicholas. Lynn McNicholas. Hello, Lynn McNicholas. <laughs> and Mam has been with me. We were stuck together last year because we couldn't go anywhere. And Mam has been with me um, all the way through the book and, and been so supportive. And, um, yeah, Mam helped me proofread things. Good, okay. And she was there, you see, Gareth. Mam was there in the dance halls in the, in the 50s and she remembered a lot of these people, which was brilliant. But she didn't swear. No swearing, no. No, no. <laughs> now, of course, we, we mentioned the text, uh, pictures as well to process. That must yeah. have caused a few edicts, uh, which photographs to leave in and those to leave out. So, so I'm thankful that one of mine with Tom Jones got in the book. Yeah, uh, so thanks thank for that. Yeah, me that. Yeah. I had great help from a friend called Mike Hopkins who helped me edit the photos because... I'm not great with editing photography, and he made things look a bit sharper, and he helped me with so many things, Mike. So, And his stories in the book, um, he he started off watching bands at the Muni and learning guitar, watching guitarists on stage, and he was in bands for 40 years after that. Uh, and his stories in the book is really lovely. Good. So the book is out now. So yeah. how can people get their hands on the book, staff? Right. You can get the book from A-Strings Guitars on Broadway in Treforest, from the Arctic Bookshop in Treforest and from Martha's Home Store, uh, also in Treforest in Park Street. And um, if you see me in the street, I might have a copy on me. Well, I'm sure you will. You know, you'll be there with your sack full of books. I, I will. <laughs> and um, I'm hoping that we might be able to get some copies um, in the GTFM online shop. We're just talking about that now. Um, nothing definite, but it's, it's a possibility there might be some copies online for people as well. And I'm sure you can sign the book as well for people if requested. Yeah. Uh, uh, so online details as well. Sorry, online details as well. Yeah. Uh, can when, can when I get, get it online? Um, I let GTFM know when um, you know when things are sorted out online. Brilliant stuff. Well, as always, uh, Steph. Thanks very much uh, for joining us on the show today. Uh, good luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute fantastic success. Oh, uh, the so book much. is called When Ponty Rocked, uh, full of stories and a couple of swear words as well, Steph. Only a couple. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, and Thank we'll you chat so soon. Much.